The Pendant Shakespeare presents The Rape of Lucrece, Part 3. Here, she exclaims against repose and rest, and bids her eyes hereafter still be blind. She wakes her heart by beating on her breast, and bids it leap from thence where it may find some purer chest to close so pure a mind. Frantic with grief, thus breathes she forth her spite against the unseen secrecy of night. Oh, comfort-killing night, image of hell, dim register and notary of shame, Black stage for tragedies and murders fell, vests in concealing chaos, nurse of blame. Blind muffled board, dark harbor for defame. Grim cave of death, whispering conspirator, with closed tongue treason and the ravisher. O oh, hateful, vaporous, and foggy night, since thou art guilty of my cureless crime, must that I missed meet the eastern light. Make war against proportioned course of time. Or if thou wilt permit the sun to climb his wanted height, yet ere he go to bed, let poisonous clouds about his golden head. With rotten damps ravish the morning air, let their exhaled unwholesomeless breaths make sick the life of purity, the supreme fair, ere he arrive his weary noontide prick. And let thy musty vapors march so thick that in their smoky ranks his smothered light may set at noon and make perpetual night. Were Tarquin night, as he is but nice child, the silver shining queen he would disdain. Her twinkling handmaids too by him defiled through nice black bosom should not peep again. So should I have co-partners in my pain, and fellowship in woe doth woe assuage, as palmers chat make sure their pilgrimage. Where now I have no one to blush with me, to cross their arms and hang their heads with mine, to mask their brows and hide their infamy, but I alone, alone sit and pine, seasoning the earth with showers of silver brine, Mingling my talk with tears, my grief with groans, Poor wasting monuments of lasting moans. O night, thou furnace of foul reeking smoke, Let not the jealous day behold that face, Which underneath thy black all-hiding cloak Immodestly lies martyred with disgrace. Keep still possession of thy gloomy place, That all the faults which in thy reign are made may likewise be sepulchred in thy shade. Make me not object to the tell-tale day, the light will show charactered in my brow, the story of sweet chastity's decay, the impious breach of holy wedlock vow. Yea, the illiterate that know not how to cipher what is writ in learned books will quote my loathsome trespass in my looks. The nurse, to still her child, will tell my story, and fright her crying babe with Tarquin's name. The orator, to deck his oratory, will couple my reproach to Tarquin's shame. 
feast finding minstrels tuning mighty fame, will tie the hearers to attend each line. How Tarquin wronged me, I, Colatine. Let my good name, that senseless reputation, for Colatine's dear love be kept unspotted. If there be made a theme for disputation, the branches of another root are rotted, and undeserved reproach to him allotted, that is as clear from this attaint of mine, as I ere this was pure to Colatine. Oh, unseen shame, invisible disgrace, oh, unfelt sore, crest-wounding private scar! Reproach is stamped in Colatina's face, and Tarquin's eye may read the moot afar. How he in peace is wounded, not in war. Alas, how many bear such shameful blows, which not themselves, but he that gives them knows. If, Colatine, thine honour lay in me, from me by strong assault it is bereft. My honey lost, and I, a drone like bee, have no perfection of my summer left. But robbed and ransacked by injurious theft, in thy weak hive a wandering wasp hath crept, and sucked the honey which thy chaste bee kept. Yet am I guilty of thy honour's wreck, yet for thy honour did I entertain him. Coming from thee I could not put him back, for it had been dishonoured to disdain him. Besides of weariness he did complain him, and talked of virtue, O oh, unlooked for evil, when virtue is profaned in such a devil. Why should the worm intrude the maiden bud, or hateful cuckoos hatch in sparrow's nests? Or toads infect fair founts with venom mud, or tyrant folly lurk in gentle breasts, or kings be breakers of their own behests, but no perfection is so absolute that some impurity doth not pollute. The aged man that coffers up his gold is plagued with cramps and gouts and painful fits, and scarce hath eyes his treasure to behold. But like still pining Tantalus he sits, and useless barns the harvest of his wits, having no other pleasure of his gain but torment that he cannot cure his pain. So then he hath it, when he cannot use it, and leaves it to be mastered by his young, who in their pride do presently abuse it. Their father was too weak, and they strong, to hold their cursed blessed fortune long. The sweet we wish for turn to loaded sours even in the moment that we call them ours. Unruly blasts wait on the tender spring, unwholesome weeds take root with precious flowers. The adder hisses where the sweet birds sing, what virtue breeds in it devours. We have no good that we can say is ours, but ill I next opportunity, or kills his life, or else his quality. O oh, opportunity, thy guilt is great, tis thou that executes the traitor's treason. Thou sets the wolf where the lamb may get. Whoever plots the sin, thou points the season. Tis thou that spurnst at right, at law, at reason, and in thy shady cell, where none may spy him, sits sin to seize the souls that wander by him. Thou makest the vestal violate her oath, thou blowst the fire when temperance is thawed. Thou smotherest honesty, thou murderest troth, thou fouler better, thou notorious bored, thou plantest scandal and displacest lord. Thou ravisher, thou traitor, thou foul thief, thy honey turns to gall, thy joy to grief. 
Thy secret pleasure turns to open shame, Thy private feasting to a public fast, Thy smoothing titles to a ragged name, Thy sugared tongue to bitter wormwood taste, Thy violent vanities can never last. How comes it then, vile opportunity, being so bad, such numbers work for thee? When will thou be the humble suppliant's friend, and bring him where his suit may be obtained? When will thou sort an hour great strives to end, or free thy soul which wretchedness hath chained? Give physic to the sick, ease to the pain. The poor, lame, blind, old creep cry out for thee, but they ne'er meet with opportunity. The patient dies while the physician sleeps. The orphan pines while the oppressor feeds. Justice is feasting while the widow weeps. Advice is sporting while infection breeds. Thou grants no time for charitable deeds. Wrath, envy, treason, rape, and murders rages thy eagerness hours wait on them as their pages. When truth and virtue have to do with thee, a thousand crosses keep them from thy aid. They buy thy help, but sin ne'er gives a fee. He gratis comes, and thou art well appaid. As well to hear as grant what he hath said, my collatine would else have come to me when Tarquin did, but he was stayed by thee. Guilty thou art of murder and of theft, guilty of perjury and subornation, guilty of treason, forgery and shift, guilty of incest and abomination, an accessory by thine inclination to all sins past and all that are to come, from the creation to the general doom. Misshapen time, copesmate of ugly night, swift subtle post carrier of grisly care, eater of youth, foul slave to false delight. Base watch of woes, sin's pack-horse, virtue's snare. Thou nursest all and murderest all that are. O oh, hear me then, injurious shifting time, Be guilty of my death, since of my crime. Why hath thy servant opportunity betrayed the hours thou gavest me to repose? Cancelled my fortunes and enchained me to endless date of never-ending woes? Time's office is to find the hate of foes, to eat up errors by opinion bred, not spend the dowry of a lawful bed. Time's glory is to calm contending kings, to unmask falsehood and bring truth to light, to stand the seal of time in aged things, to wake the morn and sentinel the night, to wrong the wronger till he rend the right, to ruinate proud buildings with thy hours, and smear with dust thy glittering golden towers. To fill with wormholes stately monuments, to feed oblivion with decay of things, to blot all books and alter their contents, to pluck the quills from ancient ravens' wings, to dry the old oak sap and cherish springs, to spoil antiquities of hammered steel, and turn the giddy round of fortune's wheel, to show the beldam daughters of her daughter, to make the child a man, the man a child, to slay the tiger that doth live by slaughter, to tame the unicorn and lion wild, to mock the subtle in themselves beguiled, to cheer the plowman with increased crops, and waste huge stones with little water drops. Why work'st thou mischief in thy pilgrimage, unless thou couldst return to make amends? 
One poor retiring minute in an age would purchase thee a thousand thousand friends, lending him wit that to bad debtors lends. Oh, this dread night wouldst thou one hour come back, I could prevent this storm and shun thy rack. Thou ceaseless lackey to eternity, with some mischance cross Tarquin in his flight, devise extremes beyond extremity, to make him curse this cursed criminal knight. Let ghastly shadows his lewd eyes affright, and the dire thought of his committed evil shape every bush a hideous shapeless devil. Disturb his hours of rest with restless trances, afflict him in his bed with bedrid groans. Let there be chance in pitiful mischances to make him moan, but pity not his moan. Stone him with hardened hearts, harder than stones, and let mild women to him lose their mildness, wilder to him than tigers in their wildness. Let him have time to tear his curled hair, let him have time against himself to rave, let him have time of time's help to despair, let him have time to live a loathed slave, let him have time a beggar's orts to crave, and time to see one that by arms doth live, disdain to him disdain scraps to give. Let him have time to see his friends, his foes, and merry fools to mock at him resort. Let him have time to mark how slow time goes, in time of sorrow, and how swift and short, his time of folly, and his time of sport. And ever let his unrecalling crime have time to wail the abusing of his time. O oh, time, thou tutor both to good and bad, teach me to curse him that thou taught'st this ill. At his own shadow let the thief run mad, himself himself seek every hour to kill. Such wretched hands, such wretched blood should spill, for who so base would such an office have, as slanderous deathsman to so base a slave? The baser is he coming from a king, to shame his hope with these degenerate. The mightier man, the mightier is the thing that makes him honoured or begets him hate. For greatest scandal waits on greatest state. The moon being clouded presently is missed, but little stars may hide them when they list. The crow may bathe his cold like wings in mire, and unperceived fly with the filth away. But if the light the snow-white swan desire, the stain upon his silver down will stay. Poor grooms are sightless night, king's glorious day. Gnats are unnoted wheresoe'er they fly, but eagles gazed upon with every eye. Out idle words, servants to shallow fools, unprofitable sounds, weak arbitrators. Busy yourselves in skill-contending schools, debate where leisure serves with dull debaters. To travelling clients be mediators, for me, I force not argument a straw, since that my case is past the help of law. In vain I rail at opportunity, at time, at Tarquin and uncheerful night, in vain I cavil with mine infamy, in vain I spurn at my confirmed despite. This helpless smoke of words doth me no right. The remedy, indeed, to do me good, is to let forth my foul, defiled blood. Poor hand, why quiverest thou at this degree? Honour thyself to rid me of this shame, for if I die, my honour lives in thee, but if I live, thou livest in my defame. Since thou couldst not defend thy loyal dame, and wast the fear to scratch her wicked foe, kill both thyself and her for yielding soul. 
This said, from her betumbled couch she started to find some desperate instrument of death. But this no slaughterhouse, no tool imparted to make more vent for passage of her breath, which thronging through her lips so vanisheth as smoke from Edna that in air consumes, or that which from discharged can refuse. In vain, quoth she, I live and seek in vain some happy mean to end the hapless life. I feared by Tarquin's falchion to be slain, yet for the self-same purpose seek a knife. But when I feared I was a loyal wife, so am I now. Oh no, that cannot be. Of that true type hath Tarquin rifled me. Oh, that is gone for which I sought to live, and therefore now I need not fear to die. To clear this spot by death, at least I give a badge of fame to slander's livery. A dying life does living infamy, or helpless health, the treasure stolen away, to burn the guilty's casket where it lay. Well, well, dear Collatine, thou shalt not know the stained taste of violated troth. I will not wrong thy true affection so to flatter thee with an infringed oath. This bastard graft shall never come to growth. He shall not boast who did thy stock pollute. Now thou art doting, father of his fruit. Nor shall he smile at thee in secret thought, nor laugh with his companions at thy state. But thou shalt know thy interest was not bought, basely with gold was stolen from forth thy gate. For me, I am the mistress of my fate, and with my trespass never will dispense, till life to death will quit my forced offence. I will not poison thee with my attaints, nor fold my fault in cleanly coined excuses. My sable ground of sin I will not paint to hide the truth of this false night's abuses. My tongue shall utter all mine eyes like sluices, as from a mountain spring that feeds the dale shall gush pure streams to purge my impure tale. By this lamenting Philomel had ended, with well-tuned warble of her nightly sorrow, and solemn night with slow sad gate descended to ugly hell when lo the blushing morrow lends light to all her eyes that light will borrow but cloudy lucrece shames herself to see and therefore still in night will cloistered be revealing day through every cranny spies and seems to point her out where she sits weeping to whom she sobbing speaks o eye of eyes why price Thou through my window, leave thy peeping, mock with thy tickling beams, eyes that are sleeping, brand not my forehead with thy piercing light, for day hath naught to do what's done by night. Thus cavils she with everything she sees, true grief is fond and testy as a child, who wayward wants his mood with naught agrees, all woes, not infant sorrows, bear them mild. Continuance tames the one, the other wild. Like an unpractised swimmer plunging still with too much labor drowns for want of skill. So she, deep drenched in a sea of care, holds disputation with each thing she views, and to herself all sorrow doth compare. No object but her passion's strength renews, 
And as one shifts, another straight ensues. Sometimes her grief is dumb and hath no words. Sometimes tis mad and too much talk of words. The little birds that tune their morning's joy make her moans mad with their sweet melody. For mirth does search the bottom of annoy. Sad souls are slain in merry company. Grief best is pleased with grief society. True sorrow then is fully and feelingly sufficed when with like semblance it is sympathized. Tis double death to drown in Kenneth Shore. He ten times pines that pines beholding food. To see the south doth make the wound ache more. Great grief grieves most at that would do it good. Deep woes roll forward like a gentle flood. Who being stopped the bounding banks overflows. Grief dallied with nor law nor limit knows. You mocking birds, quoth she, your tunes entomb within your hollow swelling feathered breasts. And in my hearing be you mute and dumb, my restless discord loves no stops nor rests. A woeful hostess brooks not merry guests, furnish your nimble nose to pleasing ears. Distress like stumps when time is kept with tears. Come, Philomel, that sinks the ravishment. Make thy sad groan in my dishevelled hair. As the dank earth weeps at thy languishment, so I at each sad strain will strain a tear. And with deep groans diapason bear, for burden-wise I'll hum on dark and still, while thou unto rares descanst better skill. And whiles against a thorn thou bearst thy part, to keep thy sharp old waking wretched eye, to imitate thee well against my heart, will fix a sharp knife to affright mine eye, who, if it winks, shall thereon fall and die. These means, as frets upon an instrument, shall tune our heartstrings to true languishment. And for, poor bird, thou singst not in the day, as shaming any eye should thee behold. Some dark deep desert seated from the way, that knows not parching heat nor freezing cold. Well, we find out, and there we will unfold to creatures stern, sad tunes to change their minds. Since men prove beasts, let beasts bear gentle minds. Of Lucrece, Part 3, by William Shakespeare, read by David Alexander MacDonald. Original music and direction by David Alexander MacDonald. Appended audio production. Thank you very much for listening.
For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.